Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampla Finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitor's fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, so between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day -day needs. Ampla Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. I'm Tamsin Kane and I will be your host during this, our series six of the podcast. We're delighted that you're joining us again and hope that you really enjoy today's episode. During series six, we'll be speaking to other divorce professionals who help in perhaps some of the more unusual ways. Um, so we will be speaking to lawyers who deal with international divorce. We will be speaking child inclusive mediation to name but a few. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to The Divorce Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Victoria Richardson. I'm using your Sunday name today, Vicky. I don't really know why. How are you doing, Vicky? I'm great. Thank you, Tamsin. And you can use whatever name you want for me. <laughs> <laughs> and keep it polite for the podcast, at least. <laughs> um, can I ask you to start by introducing yourself to our lovely listeners? Yeah, so my name is Victoria Richardson, or Vicky, as we've already discovered. <laughs> I'm a family law partner and head of department at Atticus Law Solicitors, based in Manchester and Wilmslow. Fantastic. And do you specialise in any particular area of family law, or do you do a bit of everything? Um, I do a bit of everything, but I would say the majority of my work is comprised of divorce and separation of couples yes okay and both financial and children both financial and children yes and separate children proceedings weren't necessary if they don't arise from a divorce fabulous that is brilliant and so today we're going to talk about the hairy subject of pets <laughs> um hairy or non-hairy pets hairy or non-hairy pets so it's one of the things that um, we do occasionally get asked about and it's something that we've never discussed on the podcast, even though we're nearly six full series in and three whole years um, into this podcast. We haven't actually even touched upon discussing pets in any previous episode. So we kind of thought it was about time. So so pets. Uh, have you had any experiences where people have had disputes about their pets in divorce situations? It turns out it actually comes up more than you would possibly imagine. Um, certainly in with parties who might not necessarily have any children. Um, and in that scenario, pets are the children. 
Um, they are loved as a member of the family and treated as a member of the family. So when you have a couple who are splitting up, the priority is who's going to look after the pet because they both want to. And um, obviously it's an emotional situation for everyone, but if you have someone who loves the let's call it the dog for argument's sake and wants to care for it and the other party does as well, it does cause a lot of distress and upset. Absolutely. It seems to me that it's more often, and I, and I know someone's going to contact me and tell me I'm wrong on this, but it seems to more often than not be a dog rather than, it doesn't tend to be the goldfish or the hamster. Um, no, it is more, more or less the ones that I have dealt with, but all of them is the dog because I think for genuine reasons, a dog is probably a bit more of a family member rather than the goldfish that people forget to clean out or argue over who's going to clean out. So <laughs> for the goldfish to go to the party, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. So so how have you seen these disputes um, resolved in the past? What sort of options are there for, for resolving these disputes? Um, well, I think the important thing to remember is that in law, Pets are just seen as belonging, so they are treated the same as a car, um, even though they're possibly much more important than the family car. Um, They are not treated in law the same as children are, and I think a lot of people quite often think that they should be treated the same way that disputes around children. Um, So from the eyes of the law, whoever is the registered owner of the pet should keep the pet. However, it doesn't always work like that um a lot of disputes that i've resolved have centered around maybe spending time with the pet and certainly i've had cases where the pet might be well with one party but the other party is more available to take it for a walk and has actually gone around and collected and taken it for walks during the day um if one party is on going on holiday then the other party will care for the pets but Generally, they can. The arrangements can be very similar to the arrangements for children, may I say. And I think probably a lot of dogs are the children of the family anyway, so it makes sense to the arrangements to follow the same kind of ethos. Yep, I've certainly seen that happen amongst friends. We have a a friend who used to drive down, lives up here in the Cheshire area, and used to drive all the way down to the home counties. Um, to pick up the the dog for when they had um, care of it, um, yeah. which I can't. I think it was done maybe on a fortnightly basis. So so they'd alternate, you know, fortnights, and and our friend would go down and pick the dog up, bring it back up here, and care for it for the next fortnight, and then go and drop it back drop back home again. But yeah, it's a bit of a drastic scenario, but it doesn't mean that. <laughs> if you know mm. that's the most important thing I think ultimately parties reach a point where the pet will start to stay with one party or the other and, and gradually it filters off but certainly you know when people are splitting up and emotions are raw um the, these arrangements can be put in place although I must stress they can't be included in any court orders it's just got to be a general agreement between the parties and if the parties don't agree then the pet will go with the person who's the registered owner that was my next question. I, you know, is there is there going to be a court order to to uh, recognise who has the pet? And uh, you know, well, obviously, no, that's uh, that's not going to be the case. There's not going to be a uh, a similar to a children order where where it's all set out in in a court order. You could have as part of your financial order, and I've not seen one of these, but I don't see why you couldn't. You do 
you know, you do have agreements regarding contents. So I don't see whilst, why, in theory, there couldn't be an agreement that the dog spends one week, you know, with each. But I, it's not one that I've seen in all my 24 years of practice so <laughs> that popular. <laughs> and, um, you know, also legal fees, you know, quite often the, the, the cost of arguing over the dog can be quite extreme when it's probably cheaper just to go and buy another dog to be quite, <laughs> oh, it's not the same dog. I appreciate that, you know, because I, I certainly wouldn't be giving my dog away. <laughs> the husband can go, but the dog can't. <laughs> I've heard that said before. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. People seem to feel like that. Where, what's the, so the other, the other thing that, that often comes into certainly my work and I'm sure it does into yours is is the costs because obviously owning a pet is is expensive and you know even if you're not going to have shared care feels very strange saying that um of the dog um or or whatever other animal how does the how does the cost of um of maintaining the the animal that you will have got as a family pet how does that come into the the divorce settlement um, well, I think it's something that's got to be just looked at on its own, and it, it will very much depend on the case. You may have, for example, the um, typical situation whereby the pet would go with the children of the family and the wife, for argument's sake, obviously the, the roles could be reversed, but she can't afford to pay the fees. So it's whether the other party is prepared to contribute towards the fees, and if they can't or they're not prepared to, then there's an issue about whether... They keep the dog. You know, it's really down to that, really. The person who has the dog, has ownership of the dog, should be the one paying for the pet's fees, um, unless there is an agreement that they split the time, in which case it would make sense for pet fees and insurance to be split equally. It's a common sense, I say common sense in the loosest term, because obviously in these sort of cases, common sense goes out the window a little bit, but who has the dog should pay for the dog realistically unless the parties agree otherwise yeah absolutely in, in some situations one party can't have the dog because of housing conditions you know if they're moving into an apartment or a, a place that's um, you know not suitable for, for animals or pets then that also means that the party's got to have the dog or you know causes difficulty yeah I mean the way we you know the way we talk about it 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 is coming to a common sense resolution for it but as we know often the common sense conversations about these things can get hot tempered I suppose is the is the thing or you know acrimonious um because there's a battle over various other things then then this sorts of thing can, can yeah, come it into just it can't gets it? and all the other emotion but funnily enough it tends to sometimes be that the pet is the one thing that causes more emotion than everybody everything else you know because as I've said earlier that they're a member of the family and they're a character and you know when when families are separating and splitting up then nobody wants to say goodbye to the pet ultimately which is what someone may be having to do yeah absolutely cases actually whereby if there are children of the family the pet goes with the children of the family so when the children spend time with dad they the pet goes too, and when the children spend time on the pet, you know, goes too. So I have had those kind of cases, but they're more rare. The pets tend to stay with one family member, with the other person helping out if one wishing to. I guess that's easier if it's a 
a dog less less if it's like a tropical fish tank or <laughs> or reptiles <laughs> reptiles yes absolutely they need absolutely. a lot of care the reptiles don't they you know it's all about um the temperature of the tank and all the rest of it they're probably more need more than the dogs <laughs> so I guess um I guess one question and and this this will apply to more things than than just the pets but do you have any tips or suggestions about how to take the heat and the emotion out of some of these conversations that that um, people might be having because you don't you know yeah in law the pet the dog where the dog goes is is not going to be particularly relevant presumably you're not going to go to court to try and resolve that as a as a situation but there are other things that where the emotion gets involved as well do you have any tips um well as a family lawyer we always encourage um parties to go to mediation to see if they can resolve any disputes between them because mediation may, means that their relationship moving forward even though they're not together will be much more amicable and any agreements that they reach between themselves is much better than the courts becoming involved or long-term correspondence through solicitors so mediation is also an, always an option if they want to go and discuss it with a, an independent mediator to try and resolve the position especially when you've got two people who they both want to own the dog they can go to a mediator and Get assistance with reaching an agreement that the, everybody's happy with. And using a mediator can also be significantly less from a cost point of view than using solicitors involved in it. And yeah, so, and that... Yeah, solicitors are only going to follow the law, you know, so there's a dispute where a mediator will help to find some middle ground that suits everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so with mediation, you've got both parties there and you've got the mediator there and, and they're there to almost referee the situation aren't they to provide a neutral and neutral um person in the room so that hopefully the arguments and discussions don't get as heated as perhaps they would if you were um around your own kitchen table um trying to have that conversation between you the other tip I, I often say to clients is if they don't feel the need to go to mediation is go and have the conversation somewhere neutral you know, if you have a conversation in the family home and emotions are rising high, then that's when your shouting and screaming starts and one person storms out. If you go to the local coffee shop, people are much more well behaved. Yes, one person could leave, but you don't get the same acrimony um, taking place between people who could be more civilised and hopefully, you know, things agreed in that way. So if they don't feel that mediation is appropriate, then that also is an option. Move out of the environment that you're in to somewhere where... Yeah, you'd be embarrassed if you start shouting and screaming at your other half. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really Not good advice for obvious reasons. Alcohol. We definitely we had all our um, pre-divorce discussions in in Costa Coffee in our local town, so they uh, certainly benefited from uh, from <laughs> that as far as we were concerned. Well, it worked um, for no Townsend, does didn't it? You know, you probably weren't. Yeah you know didn't say quite the same things that you might have done in in the family home you know well I might have said them but we said them quietly and calmly (laughs) (laughs) the same volume (laughs) I think something else that somebody said recently and it might have been our friend Susan Lee um was was treated as a business transaction you know try and try and sort of step back and and take the emotion out of it and it, it it is difficult when it's a loved family pet um but try and 
kind of see the other the other person's side as well and see it as a as a business transaction and negotiate on that front rather than rather than having it emotionally um charged i know i always think that um it, it's like looking after somebody else's children you know if i'm looking after someone else's children it's a lot easier because they don't know which buttons of mine to press if i'm looking after my own they know exactly how to wind me up yeah. <laughs> and i always say to, i always say to my clients think about how you would feel if you were on the other party you know so if you're at the party who has the pet and how would you feel if you've grown to love that pet and you just have to say goodbye as well as you're saying goodbye to the life that you've known it's harsh you know and I think sometimes when you encourage people to look at the other side that helps to um just appreciate them for them to appreciate a bit more you know how the other person's feeling and help to reach an agreement yeah absolutely that's that's certainly the case um another thing that I just wanted to touch on is is that there was some press, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, about something called a pet nuptial. And I'm going to be really careful because I'm not sure if that um, if that, <laughs> that was uh, only used by the particular firm in question. But but is it possible to, to put down future plans for your beloved pet when you get them so that you document what will happen to them if, if you do split up in the future? Is that is that possible? I suppose from a family law point of view, nothing is impossible. You can, you know, you can make an agreement as to what will happen. Um, if you do such, I haven't done one, I might add. Um, but if the family, if the relationship broke down and there was a dispute about the pet, the court would use that, should it have to, not within family law proceedings, but with within civil proceeding, to look at what the intentions were of the parties when they first made that agreement and what they said was going to happen. So anything you record in writing is always beneficial in case, in, you know, in the future there should have to be some kind of court proceedings. But um, having said that, I haven't done one. But as lawyers, we're happy to have a go at anything. <laughs> we'll write an agreement up. Fair enough. It was, Sorry, it wouldn't, be legally, it wouldn't be legally binding. Um, but the court could look at it to decide on what the intentions were at the time of making the agreement. Okay. And I, I guess that uh, we should just touch on prenuptials and postnuptials because I know that the majority of people who are listening to our podcast um, are going to be probably going through separation and divorce, but it's not unusual for them to also be entering into a new relationship as well. So um, it probably is worth us touching on um, pre postnuptials so there's always been a rumor um in when I speak to anybody about these that they're not worth the paper they're written on um so really okay <laughs> um not lawyers I hasten to add uh-huh. um so, <laughs> so could you just tell us just briefly what they are and how they work and and are they worth the paper they're written on um, so prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements are basically the same document. Um, one will be prepared before a couple get married and the other will be prepared afterwards, purely maybe because of a time point of view. Um, if they follow certain legal guidelines, then they will be as pretty much deeply binding as you can get them. All right. So if you, you both parties take independent legal advice, 
if they are um, prepared well in advance of any wedding, if they are prepared with full disclosure of each other's finances, and there are certain clauses in there, then the court will treat them as pretty much legally binding. Um, if the court is asked to address whether a prenuptial agreement is binding or not, it will depend on the situation at the time. And the, the only thing that would upset that really is probably if there are children involved and the parties haven't looked at the prenuptial agreement once children have been born to see if that should still apply and whether it's reasonable. So any agreement has to be reasonable. But generally, yeah, they are very important documents, certainly where second marriages are concerned and we're seeing a lot more people wanting to enter into, the, into them. So yes, um, no, they're worth a lot more than the paper they're written on, shall we say. Yeah, so definitely worth looking at, particularly if you're if you're um, into the realms of the second marriage, um, to to protect your assets or to to look at um, what position you want to be in if the second marriage just should come to an end, yes. um, which obviously you want to avoid. But yeah, so but these things happen, don't they? What mm-hmm. just just I suppose to just tack onto that. What happens if the circumstances have changed massively since since the prenuptial? So, for example, um, one party's taken what was a relatively small business and built it up into something incredibly successful worth considerably more than it was on the prenup. Well, your prenup, but the majority of prenups basically say that um, certain assets will remain in the sole name of each party. And if... If that asset is in the sole name of that particular party and they go on to build it up, well, good luck to them. The court will only get involved if it means it's going to be particularly unreasonable to the other party. And obviously, yeah. every case is dealt with on its own facts. But if it meant like the other party was going to have difficulty rehousing themselves, then obviously that's the main concern. Um, but the court will look at the needs of the other parties and make sure that they are both satisfied um, irrespective of what wealth is, in, is involved. Brilliant. That's that's re- really useful. Um, just worth just worth touching on it. Well, uh, while we were chatting about uh, the situation around pets, <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we go, is there anything you would like to add on the subject of uh, pets? I don't think so, really. It's just, it's just a difficult one, isn't it? You know, as I said earlier, they, people can get so emotional about about the pets and quite, you know, often it often happens more than you would expect, want the lawyers to sort it out. And we find ourselves in a difficult position that it's something so emotional and that both parties love that we actually are restricted to what we can do. Um, so I'd always advise for the parties, if they can't agree themselves to maybe seek advice from mediator to take away the acrimony and see what arrangements can be made because there is there's always a solution yeah absolutely good advice and mediation certainly certainly can help in those situations um if anybody should want to contact you um how can they do that and so they can email me at victoria.richardson at atticus law that's one t one c dot co dot uk wonderful and we'll um we'll pop that in the show notes as well so that if anybody does want to get hold of you they can do so and uh, vicky will be joining us a lot more in uh series seven of the podcast which is coming in the early spring this year so thank you for joining us thank you for your insights um as always and thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon
Hi, and I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Smart Divorce Podcast. If you would like to get in touch, please have a look in the show notes for our details or go onto the website www.smartdivorce.co.uk. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and you wouldn't mind leaving us a lovely five-star review, that would be fantastic. I know that lots of our listeners are finding this is incredibly helpful in their journey through separation, divorce and dissolving a civil partnership. Also, if you would like some further support, we do have a Facebook group now. It's called Separation, Divorce and Dissolution UK. Uh, Please do go on to Facebook, search up the group and we'd be delighted to have you join us. Um, The one thing I would say is do please answer their membership questions. Okay, have a great day and take care.